You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Hello, Grace Community Church family. I am so glad you're here for what amounts to part three of a sermon that was begun on Sunday and then followed up on Tuesday with some application from John 15 verses 1 through 17. I am going to give more application today uh, concerning the metaphor of the vine and the branches. Uh, Jesus shared this with his disciples in the farewell discourse just before he was betrayed and arrested and then, of course, tried and crucified the next day. So these are last words. They were very important words. It helps us to understand our relationship with Jesus, what that looks like. And it also helps us to understand the mission that Jesus has given us. He gave a specific mission to the disciples, but much of that mission, by extension, is given to us as well. If you have not heard this past Sunday's message, or if you've not followed up with the application that was given on Tuesday of this week, then I would encourage you to go back and to do those other two before you do this one. Don't have to, of course, but I think you would get a lot more out of this. Although I'm not going to comment on all of the points that we've covered so far, I do want to take the time to list them here. Five points of application that were given uh, on Tuesday. First, preaching the gospel to yourself every day is the only way to truly abide in Jesus or abide in Jesus in the way that he commanded us to. So preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Two, faith is required at every stage of the believer's life. Three, fruit is expected and produced at every stage of the believer's life. Believe it. Four, faith is increased by time in the Word and in prayer. And five, the more time we spend in the Word, the more we will look like Jesus. And that's what we would all like to be said about us, right? He looks like Jesus. She is just like the Savior. So time to get into today's list, beginning with number six, abiding in Jesus and in his love includes both rest and effort. It sounds a lot like life, but we think about rest coming after effort. In this case, rest comes before effort. We are the branches in the vine, and we cannot hope to produce fruit if we are not attached to the vine. So, is sanctification or spiritual growth up to the Lord, or is it up to me? It is God's doings, but there will be no sanctification or spiritual growth that gradually shapes me into the image of Christ until I am willing to discipline myself for the purpose of godliness. 1 Timothy 4, 7 in the NASB. I love the way the New American Standard uh, translates 1 Timothy 4, 7. So, God does his part and I do my part, correct? 
Well, yes, but this is not an equal partnership. Uh, that is why it is crucial to understand my position in Christ, almost like a hand and a glove, or as the branch in the vine. Just like a branch is totally dependent on the life source that flows from the vine, so am I dependent on God's strength, Jesus' strength flowing through me to produce fruit that he requires and also to live as he has called me to live, which is 1 Peter 1.15, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Oh, so that's all there is to it. Just be holy like the Lord is holy. Uh, obviously, we're not doing this in our own strength. It has to be Jesus' strength. Jesus repeatedly told the 11 that they would prove to be his disciples by their obedience to his commands. And remember, Jesus' standards are higher than Old Testament standards. Not only are we not allowed to kill someone, we, we're, we're not allowed to hate them. If we hate, we're guilty of murder. If we lust, we're guilty of adultery. We're called to pray and fast and give, but we're called to do these services to the Lord in secret, not doing them to be seen, not doing our good works to be seen by men. And we need not wait on the Spirit to move us to obey because He has already moved us according to God's Word. The Word changes us. And so, brothers and sisters, get in the Word and obey what you read. Maybe Colossians 1.29 gives us the best understanding of how this process works. The Apostle Paul, after writing about the mission that God had given him to take the gospel to the Gentiles, says this, for this, this mission, for this, the strength to do what God has called me to do, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Again, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he works powerfully within me. Colossians 1.29, I work hard and I do so in his strength with all his energy. Take time this week to think about obeying God, not in the, oh, I've just got to do better kind of sense, but according to God's strength, which is working so powerfully in you. Think about sharing Jesus with your neighbors, not because, oh, I need to do this, but in the strength that the Lord provides. Work hard with all his strength, all his energy. Number seven, Jesus is serious about us loving one another. It's simple. You can't love Jesus without loving those who are in the body of Christ. One of the primary ways that we show our love for him is to love those he has saved. Yes, we're supposed to love all people, even our enemies, but there is a special calling to love those in the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul uh, elevated, often elevated love above all other Christian virtues. 
In Romans 13, 8, the apostle said, the one who loves has fulfilled the law. Wow, don't, don't just pass over that verse quickly. The one who loves another has fulfilled the law. In Colossians 3, 14, Paul says, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I could read a number of verses to affirm this truth, but you get the point. Before we move to number eight, I just want to say, loving others, as you know, is, is not always easy. But Jesus did not say, love one another as long as you are compatible, or as long as the relationship is easy, or as long as the other person is not difficult or has different political views than you do. He simply said, love one another. Eighth, Jesus must be Lord before he is friend. But what a friend we have in Jesus. Lord before friend. I'm guessing that this is a concept more difficult to grasp in our day than it was, say, 50 years ago. A general lack of respect for authority has hindered our attempts to relate with Jesus because it's easy to forget who the boss is. Now look, I'm not saying that all authority is worthy of respect, but we are called to honor authority regardless of whether that person is worthy of respect or not. And when we do that, we're sort of already in the habit. But when we constantly question those who are above us, it tends to lead toward questioning the Lord. In John 13, 13, Jesus said to his disciples, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. For three to three and a half years, the disciples had shown that they understood this relationship and the dynamics of the relationship. Jesus is Lord. We are servants. We are followers. The truth that Jesus shared with them in John 15, 15 is what took their breath away. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. When you are in an unfamiliar setting, it is a good idea if you trust the people you are with to do as you are told or to imitate their behavior. You ever been to one of those dinners, perhaps, where there were seven forks and 15 spoons and cups and plates and everything, everywhere. You didn't have any idea how to act. What did you do? Well, you watch someone who has been in that position before. You remember imitating your parents, don't you? As you grow in all these settings, your comfort levels will grow and you will begin to know what to do. And not only to know what to do, but you'll begin to understand the whys behind the what's. Does this seem familiar to your Christian life? When you start off as a believer, what would Jesus do is truly a good question to ask. But as you grow, you just know what to do. Why? Because you've spent time with him. You've been in the word. You know how he thinks. 
and you begin to respond in a Christ-like manner because you have grown in your relationship with Jesus. Why does he love us enough to bring us into intimate relationship, the kind of relationship when he says, okay, here's what I want you to do, and here's why this is a good thing for you to do. I cannot say for sure, but I can offer the next point of application with confidence. Number nine, he chose me. Blessed truth, blessed thought. Jesus told the disciples in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. You know what it feels like, right? When a teacher or a boss or a leader is going to choose someone to answer a question or to be offered an advance or to perform a prestigious task or even just picking teams on the, on the playground where the captain is, is, is here or there. And you think that you are the man or the woman for the job. Look, if you're in elementary school, your hand is already up. Pick me, pick me, please. You know what it's like, don't you, when you get picked. And you also know what it's like when you're passed over. There were important rabbis in Jesus' day. And these rabbis chose the best of the best students, the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme, to follow them everywhere they went and to learn theology as they shared life together. That's what those disciples were chosen to do. So the crew, it, it's fair to say that the crew Jesus chose had, had been passed over by all the rabbis. In fact, hadn't been, even been given in consideration by the rabbis. These were the least likely people to be chosen. And in fact, the unlikeliest group of people to ever be chosen in the history of all rabbis of all time. And yet, Jesus chose them to be his disciples and to take his message to the entire world. And as they went, they would bear fruit that abides. Even though we don't have the same role that the disciples had, we are on mission, a mission that has been assigned to us by no, no, none less than Jesus himself. And as we go on this mission, we are called to exalt the Lord, to establish believers, and to engage the world with the gospel. In every aspect of our purpose, we will bear fruit. But you say, I've never won anybody to Christ. You have no idea of how the Lord has used you in your life to shape someone's relationship with Jesus. You have no idea how, what kind of a role and a part you may have played in someone coming to Jesus. One sows, another waters, but it is the Lord who brings the harvest, who gives the increase. 
We all have a role and we all have a mission. And if you have trusted Jesus, you can be sure of these two truths. One, he chose you to be his child. And two, he has assigned you for a special role in the kingdom and in your local church because that's how you advance the kingdom is to fulfill your role in the body of Christ in the particular body of Christ in which the Lord has placed you. I love to hear Jack Lucas pray, Lord, bless this body of Christ in Andrew, North Carolina. Jack's on to it. He's got it. He knows. He understands. This is our role in the kingdom, to love one another, bless one another, and to reach out to our community around us and take the gospel to the world. Praise the Lord. We get to be a part of this. Last, number 10. What a privilege to be a branch that produces fruit that remains. No matter what your job is, no matter what you do for a living, and I know it's a tough time and you may be thinking, what am I going to do? No matter what else you do, your greatest privilege in this life is to be a conduit through whom the Lord produces spiritual fruit that has a lasting impact on the kingdom of God. As you abide in Jesus and obey his commands, and as you love one another, and as you pursue the mission he has given you, you will bear fruit that abides. One day, you will hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You know how I know you're going to hear that? Because just like the branches that Jesus or that the Lord takes away and burns never belonged to the vine in the first place, so the one who buries his talent in the ground and who says, Lord, I didn't earn any interest on your money because I knew you were a hard taskmaster. He never belonged to Jesus. All who belong to Jesus are going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Oh, listen, brothers and sisters, it's happening. Therefore, live in such a manner as to please the Lord. Abide in Jesus. Abide in his love. Let his life flow through you and depend on him to use and guide the service you render in the kingdom. Love others just as the Father has loved the Son and the Son has loved you. So love one another. I want to close this exceedingly long sermon, this three-part sermon, by reading a passage from Philippians 3. I would love it if you would turn there now. Just, just turn over to Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul was always aware of his need to be dependent on Jesus. My goodness, he was always dependent 
on Jesus. He saw the joy of walking with the Savior, even when walking with the Lord included suffering for the mission. He was truly suffering for Jesus, not just the mission. Even the suffering brought Paul, and maybe even especially so, the suffering brought Paul into a more intimate relationship with Jesus than he had known already, and he already knew Jesus quite well. This relationship that we have with Jesus is a personal relationship, you know. And let me just say one more time for those of you who may think, you know, I've always understood that the way I please the Lord is to do good works and, and, and that, that I hope to get to heaven and that my good works will outweigh my bad works and that's how I'm getting in. That's not it. It's a personal relationship. It's not about what you can do. It's what Jesus has done in your place. So acknowledge your sins before the Lord and call out to him to save you. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. Call on his name today and he will save you. This is a personal relationship. And it doesn't stop being personal when you are saved. It gets better all the time. And our faith increases and we grow closer and closer to the Lord. So the passage we're going to read is Philippians 3, 7 through 11. And we're going to read it knowing that it reinforces the truth of Jesus' words to his disciples in John 15. says it in a little different way, but I think the meaning will pop and hopefully explode in some of your minds, uh, having thought as much as we have about the fruit that comes from being branches that are connected to the vine and allow the life of Christ to flow through us. So Philippians 3, 7. But whatever gain I had in the previous life when he was working as hard as he could to please God, Paul says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or from keeping the law is what he means, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And then verse 10, a favorite of so many, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Brothers and sisters, we died with Christ. We will be raised with Christ. Could there possibly be a more meaningful life than the one that is wrapped up in Jesus? In this time of isolation, Go deeper. Let your roots go deeper into the truth that we have learned. He is the vine. We are the branches. Let us live uh, through 
this time as though we belong to Jesus. I know some of you are going stir crazy, but this time will pass. And you don't want to miss the opportunity that you have to go deeper into dependence on the Lord. Wow, I I have loved this time in John 15, and we are not done. I'm going to tell you about that, about what's coming up on Sunday in just a moment. But I would like to, 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 before I say that, to close our time in John 15, 1 through 17, that I am leading in prayer. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are full to overflow. How could they not be reading this text? We get to read it from a position of freedom. And (laughs) though we may not come out being affluent, we have been for a long time. We get to read this without the trauma in our lives that was about to hit the disciples. And we do recognize that great trauma may hit any of us at any time, especially with the coronavirus. But even though these days are bringing challenges challenges that we did not have any idea we would ever have to face in this time, our time on this earth, Even so, our hearts are filled with joy because we belong to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving us and for calling us into your wonderful family and for giving us true purpose in life. Father, I I want to pray for those families in our church and any who would be watching during these days and this, this time in these days. Please give spouses and parents and children patience. Those who are not married, Lord, are every bit as much a part of our family as those who are married. And I pray that you will give them not only patience, but joy and a sense of purpose and a closeness with you and a body that exceeds anything and our body that exceeds anything that they thought possible. Make us one body, Lord. Keep us unified, even though we are apart. Make us grateful and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, on Sunday morning, Scott Colbreth is going to share a personal testimony about the beauty of the place that God has put him in the vine as a dependent branch in the Lord's perfect plan. I love the way Scott thinks, and I'm looking forward as he takes us deeper into the truth that we have already covered extensively in John 15. I hope I haven't been in the place uh, Scott was planning to be. Again, the way his mind works, I know it's going to be great. After the testimony, Scott's going to lead a three-person panel that will include Dr. David Calvert and Professor Burt Wallace as the three of them discuss the implications of John 15 and its place in the farewell discourse, which finds its place in John's gospel in the New Testament, which describes the pinnacle of God's redemptive plan that began in the Garden of Eden. And I better stop right there, don't you think? 
I will be leading the prayer time uh, on Sunday, and our focus this week is going to be contentment. So be practicing between now and then, right? And again, where does the contentment come from? We We know where it comes from, and that's from the Lord. I will see you on Sunday. God bless. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.